This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I'm never alone, sir, please introduce yourself. I am Dan the Comic Book Man, I hope you can hear me, ladies and gentlemen. Dan the Comic Book Man is practicing social distancing, as I'm pretty sure everyone uh, around the world is, as this pandemic continues um, to just be the rain on the parade of life at the moment. But the parade here never stops. The content over here at Comic Book Click never stops. And that's why we had to get you guys our first thoughts on what could possibly be the last theatrical release of a comic book movie uh, oh my in the God. near future. Is this where no. we're at with this? Yep. This is, this is the darkest timeline, George. Someone rolled a one. I um it it's a damn shame that Bloodshot the film that we'll be talking about today was only out for 2 weeks before it was sent to streaming services uh because of the mandate that the you know the mandate of the closure of large venues that would have more than 100 people in it things like a movie theater uh bars arcades etc so I guess they thought it would be easier if they just moved it to streaming um initially i was gonna we were supposed to cover this film i think we talked about it on on past episodes and you had seen it i hadn't yet and roughly around the time when i was supposed to go see it is when the mandate came for them to close all the theaters so i was like this is not fun it was the beginning of us realizing that maybe not everything was as normal as we thought it was going to be um but with it coming to streaming arguably more eyes what do you think uh, definitely, because people are going to be able to, you know, they're going to be home, they're going to be isolated. I hope everybody is staying home and staying self-isolated. But with that, you know, people are going to see, like, uh, Vin Diesel is definitely, like, star power. Yeah. You know, he pulls the audiences in. No matter what, you see Vin Diesel in a cover like this, two guns with this red backdrop. Yeah. You're going to be like, oh, what's that? Bloodshot. I've never heard of it. Then you're going to see, based on best-selling comic book, you're like, Oh, a nice comic book action movie with Vin Diesel. I remember Pitch uh, Pitch Black. I remember Chronicles of Riddick. I've seen Guardians so of the might... Galaxy. No, I'm just... <laughs> yes, people might... I've seen Iron Giant. <laughs> there you you know? go. Superman. You, you, you might have something there. What um so do you th- I mean I I'm shallow. I'm a shallow individual. So I can't help but think that the only reason why Vin Diesel is in this film is because of people like The Rock and etc. Uh, getting superhero franchises under their belt, or at least attempting to. Um, this feels well, one like one could argue a... that Vin Diesel was a very underrated action star. 
It's true, but I don't think he rates himself lowly. <laughs> I feel like this this felt a little bit like a vanity project in a bit in a little bit. If you would have told oh, me no, definitely. If you would have told me that this was like Vin's directorial debut, um, I would have believed you. But <laughs> in doing some research, I found out that it is director David S. F. Wilson's directorial debut. And that makes sense. And I could totally see him being a little bit um, influenced by the veteran actor on set, you know? Oh, come on. You got to do yeah. more. <laughs> you got to do more close-ups, you know, where I get to say a cool oh, line. Yeah, especially bit. since this is this guy's, like, first time directing. He's definitely going to want to direct Vin Diesel in all of his Fast and the Furious glory. And he obviously doesn't want to piss him off. Like, a guy like, let's say, a Scorsese, doesn't matter what actors get mad. You're, you're, you're here for my vision. But vice versa, this feels like you want to make everybody happy and i don't know uh how about you go ahead and give us your spoiler free review for those who haven't seen the film yet of bloodshot okay so this is this is the best way i could describe this movie and uh, you're gonna laugh it it is all the best parts of x-men origins wolverine <laughs> but somehow done worse <laughs> somebody just heard the best parts of x-men origins wolverine and their head exploded as they searched for those parts <laughs> but um no i totally i totally get you and if is it me or is like nanites the new thing now like that's like and i mean obviously bloodshot the character has existed for near 30 years at this point so when they came up with the character initially and you know the nanotechnology and stuff like that those are all kind of just buzzwords and now that we're moving kind of closer to that future you have iron man with his nanites and now bloodshot it's almost like they waited to see if other science fiction or comic book films were going to cover this and then you know like they would copy their homework you know like so they wouldn't have to necessarily be the ones to try to explain this quasi science stuff with these little uh, mini robots the development of this film was set to begin in like 2012. So you might be on to something there with the let's see if other comic book movies do it first. You know, we don't want to introduce it. Maybe we want to do it like our own take on it. You, like think, it we been been ready. Like, you think we would have been ready for Bloodshot in 2012? That's a series. Yeah. That's um, a year away from Dark Knight Rises. Maybe, it's a couple maybe. years away from the Punisher TV show, the, all the Netflix TV shows, but it's only a few years removed from Punisher Warzone. Yeah. And this is a. Uh, this is Vin Diesel before it started being Vanity Project Vin Diesel. Right. This is this is this is still before Guardians Vin Diesel. Right. And um, I, there was even rumors that Jared Leto was going to be the one to play uh, Bloodshot in the oh, film. Oh my God! This man just wants to do everything. A- another mini campaign I saw was apparently there's a, uh, you know, like Bat in the Sun. Are you aware of that? Yeah. Channel. Oh, uh, I love that. So I love that channel. They've done a um, Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. So Ninjak is also a character on the Valiant comics, just like Bloodshot. And so at one point, Ninjak has to fight Bloodshot, and Bloodshot is played by Jason David Frank. As he plays everybody in that <laughs> Basically. And so there were, uh, it, it, you know, like online petitions and online, like, oh, how could you do a movie without Jason David Frank? Screw Diesel. That's what my friend said. No, no joke. That's yeah. what my friend said. Really, my my friend, yeah, he 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 saw the trailer and then he remembered that whole bat in the sun with Jason David Frank, and he's a huge uh, Power Rangers fan, so he's very uh. biased with with that guy. So he was just telling me for weeks, he's like, "Yo, I seen the trailer, I seen the poster." I'm like, "I don't know why they didn't just hire Jason David Frank to do it." He was technically the the first like debut of Bloodshot. I'm like, "Yeah, I guess in a sense, you know, if you want to call it that, yeah, I guess he would be like the first time we see it live action, but." 
it's not theater wise it's not hollywood studio set wise i i felt like this um film was a bit of a throwback to like the 90s action films um the only thing it is, I don't think it had. Oh, it was definitely Universal Soldier. It was <laughs> definitely like those John like, Claude Van Damme I feel like movies. it didn't have as much charm, though. But maybe oh, that's no, my bland. maybe that's maybe that's my inability to connect with Vin Diesel as a character. I, I honestly, um, and we'll get into it. I felt like almost every action scene he was in was like a "Oh, look at me" kind of <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> like I just, felt, you know, it was I felt like he was way. he was written as like James Bond, like he was written as like the coolest. There's a part in this where he just starts punching the wall, trying out his powers. No one's stopping him. No one's like checking, oh, like, yeah, checking the integrity of the wall. They're just letting him do what he wants to do. And I feel like that's what they did with this film <laughs> a little bit. Um, it also felt like a little bit of Hobbs and Shaw, or I guess just where we're at in action movies now, where it's just a lot of techno babble and beautiful women. Well, I mean, Idris Elba was like a supercomputer in Hobbs and Shaw, or I think they're bringing him back to do it again in Fast 9 to be a supercomputer. So I actually like, think that the girl in this was in Hobbs and Shaw. I think. So, uh, oh my, and Vin Diesel Gonzalez. was in Look at the six degrees of Kevin Bacon that everybody is Hobbs just deciding Shaw. to play. I wonder if he hit up Rock for that, if he hit up Dwayne Johnson for that. Like, he was like, oh, by the way, can you, you imagine? Shooting her over here for a bit while we shoot this. But yeah, with Jerry Leto. Jerry Leto was initially supposed to star in July of 2017. And then in March of 2018, two years ago, roughly, Diesel was hired to play the title role. And the rest of the cast joined over the following months. Uh, film commenced in South Africa in August 2018, lasting through October. Bloodshot was theatrically released in the United States on March 13th. Uh, 2020 Thursday the third. Oh, is that Friday the thirteenth? That one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's even worse. Oh <laughs> my god! You fools! <laughs> you fools! <laughs> you fools! <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yep. March 13, 2020, by Sony Pictures, releasing. The film received mixed reviews. And it was Sony, no less. Yeah, it received mixed reviews, um, and has grossed 29 million worldwide on a budget of. I had it somewhere. Forty-five million. Forty-five million. So that was about, their budget. It's made about half its money, and stuff. Uh, who was your favorite? I guess actor in this. My favorite actor was Toby Kettle, and he didn't even get enough of the movie. I actually thought he was going to be like a character, character, like throughout, because Martin Axe is in the comics. So I thought that they were really going to like let him do his thing. Uh, but he has no luck in these comic book movies, I guess. And I'm t- I'm just I'm tired of Guy Pierce at this point. Maybe that's blasphemy on really? my end. But what was the last I'm thing you saw that God. that got you over it? The Iron Man three when we had to do the last, which was worse. That was just that by that point I'm just like, oh my god, why are we 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 continuing to make Guy Pierce a thing because he gave us Memento. I mean, this I is get basically it. Memento. Isn't this Memento? Like, this is what... It, that's why it's he's in this, right? <laughs> no, but this is why I said that this was... This is why I said that this was some of the best parts of X-Men Origins, but done somehow badly, because when we get into it, what you're going to see... I'm trying to Like, see. once we get spoiler territory, I'm going to start comparing both movies. Uh, Memento? No, no, X-Men Origins and Bloodshot. I'm and maybe a little bit see. of Memento, because it's all the same. It, it's... It's just a, I don't want to say it's an offensive movie, but it's just a bland movie. So it was mo- just bland. <laughs> Memento came out March 16, 2001. 
So three. So nineteen so, years yeah, earlier. Nineteen years and three days from <laughs> from all this. This is hilarious. I was just trying to see if this was like a Sony film, just to see if there's any. I think Memento was um. What's his name? Uh, one of Nolan's films. Yeah, it is. It's distributed by a bunch of people I never heard of before. <laughs> um, so let's give a little background on the character because I think initially, what two, three weeks ago when we were prepping for this, we were reading the comics. Yeah, I was reading a little bit of Bloodshot, and I actually kind of dig the comics after like a couple of issues. I like that his um, healing factor is finite; it does run out. It there is a a, a killing point for him. Sometimes, oh, there read... gives, it gives consequences. Yeah, sometimes when you read Deadpool, it's kind of like literally anything can happen to him, and we'll just see him on the next page on the next panel. But there's like a ticking clock with um, Bloodshot and his nanites. And so a little bit of background on the comic book character. Uh, Bloodshot is a former soldier with powers of regeneration and metamorphing made possible through nanites injected in his blood. Hence the name Bloodshot. Um, which is up there with like Deathstroke and <laughs> Deadpool as like these edgy 90s names. Yeah. Bone, Bone Storm, like uh, the Simpsons. Uh, but... Yeah, after having his memory wiped numerous times, Bloodshot is out to discover who he really is and get vengeance on those who did it to him. Bloodshot's bloodstream contains a billion nanobots, enabling him to heal from injuries quickly, interface with technology, and shapeshift his mass. Um, that was something that I really, really liked in the comics was his technopath ability. If he was just near things, near like computers, GPSs, stuff like that, he was able to uh, hack them. Um, there's... They, I think in this film they go so far as to say like his brain is just like on, on the Wi-Fi. Is that is that what is that how they it's, go in this? It's like a it's like a weird like Frankenstein monster version of Cyborg. Yeah, it would be like Cyborg, but in, in, in by somebody who's done that's not his father. Right, right. Um, so uh, Bloodshot was created by Kevin Van Hook, Don Perlin, and Bob Layton. During a wave of popularity for Valiant Comics, the character's name was suggested by artist David Slystek. <laughs> uh, the character first appeared in three panels on the page on the last page of Eternal Warrior number four, before making his full appearance in Ride number zero a week later. Bloodshot is one of the most popular characters in the 80 million comics selling Valiant universe. He sold almost over seven million comics in all languages. Bloodshot number one was a much anticipated comic that became a best-selling issue and has gone on to sell approximately one million comics which is a big deal bloodshot number one was awarded best comic by diamond distributors <sighs> diamond distributors that the, sounds like weird uh the diamond distributors well diamond distributors is the company that um is not shipping comics anymore because of all this they're the oh. ones we spoke about last wow. week um, that have womp, effectively womp. shut down all the comic uh, stores in the area because they're not, they're the world, well, they're America's leading distribu distributor of the comics. Um, oh, oh, shit. And it also received an award for best innovation for its Chromium cover, the first of its kind. Uh, chromium cover. Um, this has barely a cast. Am I wrong with that? This has like. I like as far as like people that have like dialogues. That Matter of fact, nope, see. nope. You know what? I'm tired of it. I'm putting you on the spot right now. I want you to name me five characters in this film, not the actors who oh, play them. I want you to try to guess some names. All right, all right, of some people all right. In this film. So it's it's 
Vin Diesel. Who's Bloodshot? Fuck, okay. I'll give it. It's Bloodshot. All right. Bloodshot's wife. <laughs> Bloodshot, Mrs. Bloodshot. <laughs> Bloodshot, Mrs. Look, Bloodshot. Look, I'm not. I'm not cheating right now. I swear. I don't have like the witty like down. Like I have it like like a uh, minimized, so I can't right. see nothing. Right. All right. Um. Uh, Toby Kettle. It's hard not naming actors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember Toby Kettle. What about the girl? What about the girl remember. with the respirator or whatever the ventilator? She had like two letters to her name. Yeah, and you can't give me the two letters. <laughs> you can't give me the X Y. No. Oh my god. <laughs> no. <laughs> K T K T Katie. Remember Katie? Katie. Oh my god! Katie. And then obviously Guy Pierce's role, who's basically just playing the same character from the lead of Battle Angel. Yeah, yeah, he is uh, Doctor uh, Guy Pierce plays Doctor Emil Harding. Uh, Isa Gonzalez plays KT. Vin Diesel plays Ray Garrison uh, slash Bloodshot, which is weird because Garrison is a word used in the military to mean like when you're home, when you're in Garrison. So I always thought that was like a that was a big thing. Um. Uh, Lam- Lamorne Morris is Wilfred Wiggins. Tallulah Riley plays Gina DiCarlo, which is a blood, um, Mrs. Bloodshot. I'm always going to call that. Alex Hernandez plays Tibbs. You know Tibbs. I have no idea who Tibbs uh, is. Sam Huygen plays Jimmy Dalton. Johannes Hakor Johannesson plays Nick Barris. There's basically 13 people in this movie. About, about, and that's there's about 13 it. people in this movie. Yeah, this um, is the smallest cast ever. I went to great lengths because I saw the various synopsis out there, and they weren't that great. So I went and I uh, summed up this film. And if you would like to go with me back on this journey, uh, I would appreciate it. Okay, so. The film opens up with military chatter about some special forces soldiers responding to a hostage situation in Mombasa, Kenya. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, we see our hero, Ray Garrison, in full gear descend onto where they're hiding the targets. Even though he's outmanned, Garrison manages to clear the entire building of all enemies but one. The final enemy is holding a man hostage with a shotgun and demands a helicopter to escape. Ray agrees and asks him to use the phone. When the... P- uh, terrorist points to where it is. Ray shoots him and kills him. Garrison and the rest of the crew return after mission, and we meet Gina, his beautiful fiance. Up until this point, what are you thinking of this film? This was um, at that point, it was just like a regular war film. Pretty by the uh, books, right? I didn't by read the, the comic. numbers. Pretty by the yeah. numbers. Yeah, I didn't have a background on the comic yet. Like I read the comic after I watched the movie, so. Like, it was just like a Zero Dark Thirty type, you know, Hurt Locker type movie. So, you know how, like, actual coders, you know how, like, actual coders and stuff, they wince when they see, like, hacking on, like, movies? So, I get that sometimes when I see military stuff. First of all, and this is very important, whenever you see a military person, they will be wearing a hat. (laughs) It's, 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 it's like a, it's a rule, it's a law. Uh, the uniform code of military justice. You have to always. No, I have went to military school. I know you had to have a hat. The only time you ever take off your hat is when you're indoors. When 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 your body has a hat. When you're indoors, <laughs> or you're underneath a cover, you that's the only time you don't wear your hat. So there's like them like high fiving each other, 
with their duffel bags and Vin Diesel's like says something and they all like have like a battle cry. Vin Diesel's like, remember, never die. And they're like, unless you're supposed to or something like that. And I'm like, this is all too much. This all unless you're like, supposed to. Yeah, it's like, this is all feels like too much. Like, I don't, he seems like the cool, like no one, none of those guys that he just did that with, which are, well, it's all fake, right? I was about to say, none of those guys come to see him. They never check up on him. But then again, all of this is fake. So that's another thing. So while this is going on, I'm having a bunch of problems with this beginning. Up until, I mean, literally, the Toby scene, which we'll talk about in a bit. I'm having huge issues with it um, that kind of get lifted when you realize that it's kind of a basic, in Eleanor Strop's words, a basic yeah, basic, a yeah, basic version of... Um, of a of a virtual simulation, um, like literally the basicest, um, uh, what you call it, uh, Reservoir Dogs homage, and the fact that they called it out made me feel better, because I thought if they were just gonna blatantly do it, um, and act as if it's something new, it I was gonna get upset. <laughs> yeah, but it's even worse when you have to call out your reference. Yeah, it, it to is me it's good. even worse when you have to call when you have to explain your reference. You're failing at the reference. Right, it should just be so known that you know that there there is no cues to hey go watch Chambers of the Thirty Six Shaolin and you know Kill Bill. There's none of those. Like, well, nothing is me and you have very similar styles when it comes to comedy, and a lot of the comedy that I I say that we watch isn't comedy that helps you through. Um, there's times where you'll miss a joke the four or five or six times you've seen the episode and not get it. You've actually gained the worldwide experience. <laughs> To... Oh, 100%. It's happened with Community so many times where I've seen the show like four or five times, but even we'll watch an episode again with you and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't catch that. Right. And so when you're when you're looking for jokes or, you, or you're, you know, there's so much jokes hidden in an episode that you're taking your chisel and you're, you're discovering them, unearthing them like uh, Indiana Jones. And then you get to something like this where they're literally handing you the jokes. A lot of them I didn't want. <laughs> A lot of them I'm like, uh... I'm good. You just keep doing what you're doing. I'm not hungry. You can stop with the jokes. Yep. That's why Bojack failed as a stand-up comedian. He kept explaining his jokes. I um never explain your jokes. I did not care for Wiggins. Dude, I don't even remember who that is. Wiggins is the com- the comedy relief character that they place in this film. The one that helps. Oh uh, yeah. The one that helps him. It's it's like blatantly obvious he's a comedy relief character, but I don't think I laughed at anything he said. I just was like, wow. Like, I thought y'all were going to try to go through this on the bad comedy I had, and then y'all created a bad comedy character to do your bidding, and that's not that's Well, not these, cool. like, these cookie-cutter Sony like Hollywood movies always tend to do this. They, they give us these action movies where we have to follow this main character, and then there's a bad guy that's looking for him, a life he used to have, then a female love interest comes like 20 minutes into the movie. Then another t- 10 minutes into the movie, you get this famous actor or semi-famous actor who's blatant comedy relief. It, it, this movie has – it the, the way this movie is like shot and cut up, it reminded me of Jumper a lot. Okay. Like this guy just came in like Jamie Bell halfway through Jumper. Like, And it, it, all right. So when we meet KT, yeah. Katie whatever – uh-huh. I remember saying, I, my first time watching this movie, I remember saying to myself, oh my God, she's the love interest. This is, this is, this is going to piss <laughs> well, me off. Well, it also doesn't that help that she is... By the pool. It also doesn't help that she's literally the only other female in this film. 
So it, it they, it's she's bound the to only happen. one besides the one that they've been replanning, reprogramming into his head. And that swimming scene, I didn't even like put it in my synopsis because it was so. What is that word for that? Um, like it was too long. <laughs> they were trying to shoot it artistically. Like somehow through her motions in the oh, ocean, I'm supposed to understand. I'm supposed to understand who she is as a person because she she likes to swim. And and she obviously could see that he was looking right, like. But then again, and all how many of that times was am I gonna up. get a girl swims with a guy sitting by the poolside soon? Well, all of that was a, a uh, lot of movies do that. All of that we we have to excuse them on that, Dan, because all of that was a setup. They had done this about ten times at this point to swim. He's just so dumb, I guess, that they always know that they can put this beautiful girl on a uh, on a fishing line, and he's always gonna bite, and then he's always gonna want to get drunk. They always want to do shots at the <laughs> at the facility. I was he's like, always gonna punch the wall. I was he's like, I was like, why are they doing me? shots? This is not this is not what you do in a place like this. Matter of fact, let's get there. So, so the two spent a scenic vacation in Italy and talk all about Ray eventually leaving the military life behind. It is copy paste dialogue from any military thing ever, right? Like, when are you just gonna just gonna walk away? You know, I I can't. They need me. I don't know. Uh, this house, this house you. is going to end up be, having to be bigger. Room for three. I don't know. I just got to I live my life a quarter mile at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, think I'm mixing, I think I'm mixing things up. <laughs> I live my life a quarter mile. No, but that whole scene, he's like, it all tends to blend together. my scars. And I'm like, okay, this is terrible. All of this is terrible. This is the Annie footage shot in season six. The lost girlfriend footage. <laughs> when you look on your phone, oh and you my see. <laughs> god! <laughs> oh, okay, so oh, but it, it pisses me off the way that they direct a lot of these directors. They direct Vin Diesel to sound like he's gargling on marbles for all of his conversation. You know what I think? Been, you know what I think would have been cooler if Gina didn't even exist. Mm-hmm. Like there was no Gina because there's so many of these films that start off with a man seemingly having walked away from the most dangerous life he's ever lived. Um, Scott free, no strings attached. There's no issue. You can just go home and be you. And then um, while he's at his most comfortable uh, enemies will come and, and, and murder usually his uh, love interest, causing him to have to go on this, uh, this, violent spree and that's exactly what happens he wakes up he doesn't see her there there's a note that says that she went to go get breakfast and then um a bunch of military guys show up with automatic rifles while he's in the bathroom and he just beats the hell out of them (laughs) all of them he has no guns but again this is all a simulation so it, it is what it is uh suddenly in a hallway he stumbles over an unassuming man and apologizes before he passes out turns out that man, Tony Kebble, is Martin Axe, and he stabbed him with some kind of like uh, hallucinogen or sedation uh, drug. And so he shows up look, trying to find out how Ray, Ash, Vin Diesel, how Diesel found out about the Mombasa situation. So he brings in Gina. Oh, do you want to describe this scene <laughs> before he brings in Gina? Oh, man. 
I remember that when I first saw this scene, I was like, George got to watch this. George got to watch this. Because because uh, I remember when we were when we were talking about during the Joker. Yeah. Where what song we would use to make the dance better or cooler. Yeah. And you chose Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. And then this movie just flat out introduces our bad guy dancing down this like artistic long hallway, like some Alex Garland type shot dancing to Talking Heads. And the thing is, and the thing is, we as fans of the show Doom Patrol, there was also something very similar in that. Remember when they're in the ant farm and uh, they have yes. Jane locked up and they're playing uh, "I Saw the Sign," and and uh, he's like dancing around. He's like, "I can't wait to cut your hands off" or whatever. And it's all like we we watch movies, we've seen movies. Like I know what this is. Um, and the outfit, just the most garish. It's like a puffer coat and slippers. Yeah. And, yep. and like, oh, look at me. I'm crazy. It's like, what is, yeah, like, what is, what? Again, there's there's some humor in the idea that these are all poorly made because the person behind them didn't care. But that almost speaks on the movie a little bit. <laughs> Quality control, et cetera. But how much could you not care if this is your directorial debut? I figured if this is your directorial debut and you have names like Vin Diesel, Toby Kettle, and Guy Pierce. You're going to want to care about how you direct these actors, about how but these I, shots are set up, the lighting. This movie was so dark. <laughs> no, but how often so was it dark. How often was it red, though? This movie's oh red. About, about 75% of this movie is them trying to find ways to make everything red. Trying the to find ways to keep The only time we get any lighting red. was the beginning when yeah. they had to have lighting because they were outside in like a sandy like Saudi Arabia or something. Well, in the and in the end, which is basically like a a PlayStation cutscene of of like, well, not even Xbox cut cutscene of Titanfall of people just jumping on each other and and machines whirring and all that other kind of stuff. But there was a lot of like, oh, you see, he's red. You like you know Bloodshot? Some of those comics are red. You know, red chest, red eyes. Look. It's well, it's the same annoyingness when I have to see comic book characters. That they don't have their suit, but they're doing. They're using their powers, and their their uh, clothes are their costumes' colors. Oh yeah, like the Flash yeah. would have like a yellow shirt and a red jacket. It's like that's not good enough. And he would run fast. Like I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Go all yeah, the way. Or don't it. go. It's either go all the way or don't go anyway. Yes. You know what's so wrong with giving me Vin Diesel in all silver with some black pants and boots and hair? And to tell you the Make truth, the hair like, nanite. <laughs> the another thing is, no, seriously. no, you, you, you. I mean, he should be able to um, change his appearance. He can change his his mask with the with the nanites. Well, so I'm assuming even, he should be able to do. If you make the, the hair, hair harden the hair with the nanites as if it's like a helmet. You're a military man. Make a helmet nanite and you, make it look like hair. You also, um, you're a big film guy. Is there anyone that were you when you were watching this? Did anyone else? pop out at you as who could have done this well like as far as a, a an actor the main actor if we're gonna if we're gonna be totally honest it would have to be uh john berthall okay ah, man if not him to tell you the truth to tell you the truth i i literally think you can keep all the cheesy dialogue and i think he'd sell it i think he'd, oh, he he would get he it he would because he has this he has this like bravado that that, that you expect from john berthall like I feel like him freaking out, finding out what his life really is and punching that wall to find out his powers, that's Punisher TV show. That's Punisher and Daredevil season two flipping out in the courtroom. Yeah. 
I buy John Berthenol as a military soldier. I, I buy John Berthenol drinking with a woman while he is like trying to figure out his memory. I buy yeah. him doing all the stuff that Vin Diesel was doing in this movie. He can put on a, on a thousand yard stare and seem like he's focusing on everything at once and nothing at all at the same time where Vin Diesel exactly. just kind of looks like he's just like he's just there. Like at one point they tell him like you can't die but matter of fact we'll get there. <laughs> so uh, yeah. let's get there. Yeah so he brings in Gina tied to a chair and when Ray doesn't give him the info he wants he shoots Gina and then he shoots Ray. When we see Ray again he's on a highly advanced medical table wearing all white. Eventually when he has enough strength to awaken, he's introduced to RST employee, Rising Spirit Technologies, um, Dr. Emil Hardy, Harding, sorry, and his associate and former Navy swimmer, KT, who is fitted with a clavicle-mounted respirator. Ray demands an explanation, and it is revealed he doesn't remember anything up until a certain point. Hardy tells him that he died, but Ray reasons, I can't be dead because someone would be looking for me. Unfortunately, it's explained that his body was donated by the military because he has no one. They bring him back to life. Oh, they brought him back to life using an experimental procedure, replacing his blood with nanites that repair and replace damaged tissue on his body, giving him a healing factor. And uh, they go to the school of um, drawing blood, the Hollywood school of drawing blood, where you just gash your hand. Like, that's just, right? That's everyone's way of, the easiest way to get blood is to just... Um, Give your hand a C-section. Just, just <laughs> cut right through the palm, <laughs> which I've always found hilarious. Like I don't like never the finger, you know, the shoulder. It's always the palm. I'm just gonna cut my whole hand. But it also reminds me of Mac putting a, a limes and salt in his hand for his yeah. for his blood. What was it? A blood uh, blood oath. Funny stuff. Yep. Funny stuff. Um. Yeah. So. Ray meets the other members of RST, other soldiers that have scientific augmentations, and still doesn't believe what's happening. So KT gives him a coin and a pep talk. Um, after realizing he has super strength, him and KT decide to do some shots uh, when Psycho Killer by the Talking Head plays on the intercom. So what I wanted to talk about was he meets Tibbs, he meets Dalton, he meets KT, he sees Emil Harding's hand. So Emil Harding has a cybernetic hand and... Uh, KT has the uh, clavicle mounted stuff and Tibbs has eyes, right? Or cameras on his chest. Yeah. Um, and then Dalton. Which is everything you've seen in all of these like sci-fi, like. um, It's been done. <laughs> splicing back together movies. Yep. Yeah, it's been There's done. There's always to this the one truth. scientist that. Yeah. They. they no, tell um, me the truth. Tell me the truth. No, I was just saying that they, um, they just missed the boat by a couple of months, man, because I think that. Alita did some really great things with human cyborg uh, imagery. You know, some really messed up things and some really like... Well, even underrated indie movies like Chappie. If anybody anybody out there that hasn't seen Chappie by Die Antwood, like they all made that movie. It's a really dope movie that has like these cybernetic... Like, like it really, it, it, it does like these like statements to um amputees. Yeah. Well, but it's, it's more like dystopian times. The 90s in general was a big time for like laser eyes and scars oh, definitely. and definitely cybernetic enhancements. You know, the Reavers who were in Logan were all cybernetic. Remember, he had the uh, oh, yeah, he had the metal right. hand. And so like in comics, they're all half person, half machine. They all like one of them oh. has tank treads for legs. 
It's like shit like that. <laughs> well, look at guys like Kano in the first Mortal Kombat movie with the cybernetic eye or Jax yeah. in the second. Yeah, the with the Mortal two arms. It was, it was a arms. thing. It was like, oh, my God, imagine if technology and humanity. And so it was It was always right. a big deal. And so when you've seen all of that to come here, like I wanted to see some like, remember, um, gosh, what's his name from Deadpool? Ajax. Shrine? Oh, um, Shrine? I don't remember Ed his. Shrine? Ed Shrine? Ed uh, did you I, see him yes. in Alita, where it was just like his face and the whole skull was robot? Oh, yeah, and he had like the mohawk or whatever. Yeah, that was some sick, some sick cyber, cybernetic stuff. And, Jake Nicholas Holt is what I call him. And now that you say that, are they being distasteful to the amputee community with this? Like, is this like because they all become villains, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, damn. Now that I got to think about it, all the amputee people are villains. They all become villains. And they're like, yeah, we just need a. Well, one doesn't become a villain, but then you know, that's because uh, uh, Harding took her breath away, you know. But too much power. Too much power. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. We're the virus, Dan. We've always been. <laughs> We're always criminals. We are the virus. Uh, I just need. <laughs> that's what I need. Changes. I need Zack Snyder to watch this and give me his commentary track. That's it. It's like, oh, man, I should have done this with Batman. <laughs> Why didn't I do this with Cyborg? Wow, well, I could have made Cyborg everybody like this. Up. <laughs> so you're telling me that Cyborg could have had nanites in his arms? <sighs> Why didn't I do this? So hearing Psycho Killer sends Ray on a murderous rampage because he suddenly remembers Martin Axe. Uh, his yeah, it's like a whole Pavlov dog thing. Yep. Like ringing the bell and he now he's salivating for murder. And, and initially... Again, a lot of the criticisms that I had up front are seemingly answered by the idea of it being a um, a ver- like uh, simulation. Because I remember thinking, oh, he just kind of escaped. And everyone's like, please, please come back. Come back, please. You have oh, a- wait. Don't go through the door. Yeah, they're like, you No, stop. Don't. Yeah. He's like, you know, oh, you, you know, you're... You're completely technology, and we don't know, you know, what you're capable of. Don't go away. And I'm like, if you really put that investment in a human body, you wouldn't. The front door wouldn't be unlocked. You know, like, like that think of how realistically the military spending, like, budget is. Yeah. And yeah. you just made a you just made a, a, a six million dollar man. You made a nuke. Yeah. And then you just let the like, nuke walk basically. out the door. Like, oh, yeah, no. right. So, so that makes sense that he was always meant to break out. There was always meant to be a low, uh, you know, resistance to that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm on board at the moment. Um, so he tracks Martin down using nanotechnology and manages to murder all of his men before killing Martin himself. Those are pretty cool action scene with it. I think that's the one with all the like uh, flowers. Oh, where they're in the tunnel and the entire color is red. Yeah, but there's also flower, right? Like they're hitting yeah. flower bags of flowers so that he can kind of be white like how he is in the comics oh white uh they shoot him he doesn't die they shoot him more he doesn't die and then he kills them all i think that's basically an explanation of how that went down right yep okay. that's basically how it went down bad guys in tunnel bloodshot in tunnel bad guys dead toby kettle dead Color and red. the only thing is uh tony calls some ma- some man on the phone and is like he's He's coming for all of us or something. He's done it. And then he dies. So we're like, what? what's going on? We don't know what's going on. Um, so 
And then, like, he just drives, and they all see him, right? He drives back to the facility, and everyone's all like, you shouldn't have done that, but we're glad you're back. Yeah, I'm basically, like, like, like Guy Pearce is, like, so happy, like, he's back. And... I'm like, what? He just went, he just escaped and murdered a man and a bunch of other people, and you just got to let him back in with open arms. Uh, but um, I, I literally put, he returns to RST and they welcome him back with open arms. <laughs> uh, he's then he's then strapped to the medical bed, and this is where I think things get kind of wonky because um, we see Jimmy Dalton come in, one of the soldiers, and he comes over and he begins to taunt Ray. He explains, and it's later shown that RST has placed a memory a memory in Ray's head of events that never occurred, specifically the death of his fiance. Instead, they continue to sedate Ray, create a false memory of his fiance's death at the hands of some unknown man, and then manipulate the memory to be anyone they wish to target. Uh, then, when Ray, which is, is basically X Men Origins, but the worst part, like done worse, and it's, it's also the whole it's also wife without, was dead but not dead. Without spoiling it, it's, there's a lot of this in Memento. I'm not gonna say wh- of what, yep. <laughs> of oh, what, right. but there's a lot that there's a lot of this in Momento. So we uh, also had Guy Pierce, so it's like hundred percent. I was waiting for uh, what's the name, Joey Pantalones. I was waiting for him to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Pants. I was waiting for him to show up. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So they 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 he sees the same exact scene that we saw in this film with the guy dancing to Psycho Killer and shooting his wife. The only thing is. The face of the man is always replaced with the man they want to kill. Um, and then they set off the music the same way they always do, play Psycho Killer, and he will uncontrollably murder anyone Dr. Harding has his sights on. Which That's the only thing out, that I liked about the movie was that twist where like they had him for like years and yeah. they just kept wiping his memory, having a new bad guy, wiping his memory, having a new bad guy. I wish we would have seen... Being a hitman for hire. I wish we would have seen a, a handful Oh, sorry. A handful of them, though. Oh, like, no. You're, you're 100% right. I wish we would have got more of that. Like, if it would have been revealed, then you would have seen, like, six other people die. But we we only see two, really. And it's the two that, I guess, the most important ones. Because the thing because is... Because we were too busy on these wonky scenes. Yes. The, these by-the-poolside scenes, these taking-shot scenes, these punching-wall scenes. With yeah. the, all these scenes are taking, like... 10 minutes out of our time. That's a whole 30 minutes of the movie that we don't have to watch. And he's wasting time trying to be a cool guy because there's moments where they explain to him everything and he goes, all right, I'm going to go try to wake up now. And they're like, and if they would have just, and they're, like, know, yeah, had, they're like, like what? Burnt all, Everyone's like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I must be dreaming. So I'm just going to go back. It's like you just saw a woman breathe through through a uh, a Nintendo Switch in her chest, and you <laughs> and you just gonna you just gonna let that slide like you just he just cut your hand open, you understand? But I get that it's the cool guy thing to do to be like, well, I must be dreaming, so I'm gonna leave. But uh, yeah, like there's a lot of like just people being too cool for school. But um, that's unbelievable. Like like no one believes that these people are like this. Like there's no. there's shoot 'em up levels of. Which I think they probably should have just done that, right? Made this R and done shoot him up. Like, if we're, if it's going to be ridiculous, at least make it artistically interesting. No, no, that's 100%. I say this all the time. Like, if you know what you are, you're going for campy and wonky, then, then don't take yourself so seriously while not taking yourself seriously. Yeah. Shoot him up didn't take itself seriously. 
This no. dude was killing people with bananas. A hundred and carrots. A hundred percent. And and while engaged in intercourse. There's a lot there's a lot going on in that movie. Go watch shoot 'em up, people. Go watch shoot 'em up. Yes, please. Um on one oh yeah, on one of these resets, Ray is sent to kill former RST employee Nick Barris in East Sussex, remembering him to be Gina's killer. Though Ray manages to kill Barris and his bodyguards, Barris has forced computer programmer Wilfred Wiggins to build an EMP bomb just for this specific case, uh, which is ignited after Barris's death, incapacitating Ray and severing communications with rising spirits. After resurrecting Ray, Wiggins reveals that rising spirit planted false memories in him to turn him into a killing machine. Ray demands Wiggins figure out what RST has been planning by examining some of his nanites. So this is where we get introduced to Wiggins, the comedy relief of, of it all, which wasn't very relieving because he wasn't very comedic. Um, also, there's a lot of talk of like the only thing to motivate a soldier is anger and revenge, right? Like there's a lot of like the most potent potion for success well, George, is revenge. Does, does, does revenge and murder motivate you? Motivate every day. You, every every day. When I think of, when I think of the content I'm going to produce for Comic Book Click, it's usually... Uh, my intent is filled with murder and revenge. <laughs> it's what it's you know. It's what keeps me up at night. It's what happens when you're a soldier, man. Like, that's you know, it all day. I revenge. Guess, I guess that's what happens. Revenge and murder, and murder and revenge. Um, we also discover Gina is alive, but she left them five years ago and started a family in Westminster. How do you feel about that reveal? That's that when that reveal happened, I literally said, "Oh, you mean X Men Origins?" Yeah. Where it turns out his wife's actually not dead and. You know, she's she's not a bad guy, but she's not exactly, you know, Mrs. Hey, Mrs. Great Wife 1000. She's, she's an, I mean, I don't remember how that fight went down. Like, I guess it was a lot of, like, chop and screwed of how they came to fight each other. I guess it was that same whole he wouldn't quit the military and she wanted him to quit the military thing. Yeah, like always. And then she was like, well, you just like doing this. So I just screwed some other dude. Because that kid's like four. <laughs> so <laughs> she was like... Five years ago, she was like, nah. And then she went to uh, Christian Mingle. And she was able to find some wrangle. She went help. to Christian Mingle. Yep. Uh, well, it's one of our sponsors. I'm just trying to you know, get it. Well, we got to do our plugins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, listen, there's no better reveal for like a fake death than, what is it? Um, The line is, did you tell her her daughter's alive or whatever? Like from Kill Bill? Like that was, that's how you drop a. Yeah. That's how you drop a, a fake death reveal. You know, like, as the last thing you say, 100%. You're like, what? What? This does you change the game. Year for the second movie? But this one's like, oh, no, Gina's really alive. And that's supposed to be like a, but it's like, but she doesn't care about you. <laughs> not only that, there's, not, there's nothing in this film where he's like, listen, I know we're not screwing anymore, but I think a secret government agency is using me as a weapon to kill a bunch of other people in a secret government agency, and I don't want to do yeah, that. There was anymore. no, real, there was no realism to that, to that like that reunion. There like, was I, no point to the reunion. There was no purpose. It was just supposed to be a twist. I get that. I get that it's supposed to be closure. Like he needs to understand that his recent memories aren't recent, and thus put that part of his life away forever. But it just felt like once he realized that they couldn't date, that he left. But isn't there something very serious going on? And isn't she the only person that would know you? They just said that you died and no one came to save you. No one came to identify the body. No one came to find out where you went. I, I'm assuming there was no funeral. 
No one knows what happened. And she didn't even look like it. when that reveal happened. I don't even remember her like crying, saying, "Oh my God, you're actually alive." I thought you were dead. No, she thought he was her. alive this whole time. Which yep, she which, thought she was alive the whole time. Which also means that we don't know the ensuing incident of his death. Right. We don't know how he died. How bad no. his death was. We don't know how he died. And we don't know who knows that he died. Which takes away all the emotional resonance of any kind of connection you would have with him because you have no was recollection that of that moment. In the beginning, did he die in the mission in the beginning? And then they just actually just gave him a memory where he actually survived it. And that's how he came to be with the happiness with his wife. And then it's the very, it's very like, possible, but they make it seem like they built that. There's a scene where they show the tech guy and he's like adding the overlays and, and adding the texture to the building. No, but that's and, what I'm saying. Yeah, they built, they, they built that memory, but. Maybe they rebuilt that memory to be happy. Maybe he ended up dying in that mission. But that's, he would have to die right in that mission, right? Because yeah. all the Toby Kebble stuff wouldn't have happened because Gina is never captured. Gina doesn't say, oh my God, you're back. I thought we, you would have never visited me after that one time I got captured. She didn't say that. She says you want to go because she never got captured. So there is no that psycho killer moment. They built that in, which is why they call him a hack a little bit. They're like, well, now know. this makes it more confusing because it's like, how like, did he die after they broke they they broke up? Like how I'm would they assume, know that he had a had a? That's a what wife? I'm. That's what I'm assuming. Um, and it would would it have been his wife, or were they just digging around? They found a pretty girl and they were like, oh yeah, we'll just connect him from here. Or did they have, like, some dossier on him that they saw that he was married and now it's an ex, so it's, like, a sore subject? Did they erase that part of his memory? I guess you need that much of an anchor because you could literally, just the same way you're doing it with the with the um, Toby Kebble character, you can do that with the woman. Right? Like, <laughs> the same way you built your villain to be someone that he can never really actually find because those real people are good. You do the same thing. You put make put KT in her mind and every day KT dies but KT works there. She just never sees him. Then one day she sees him he's like, oh shit. <laughs> you, you were the, you were and the one that would have been so much better. Like she's wandering, he's wandering the halls, he happens to spot her, he stumbles into a room that she runs in then it yeah, turns he's out, like, what oh the my hell? God, I know you. Yeah, what are you doing here? Well, actually it turns out this is what's going on. There's so many ways that this reveal could have been written to make sense. And then you kind of get, and then I'm, you get a reveal like you do in um, uh, Captain America, the first one, where he susses out the whole thing. Remember, he's like, "That's not, you're not Peggy. This is not. <laughs> this is like none of this is fucking real." And then he runs out. But oh yeah, because he remembered that that baseball game was, he was actually he was like at March that baseball 29th. Game. He was there. Yeah, he was there. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, "What you trying to do?" But he's like, "I remember that date. I remember." But Bloodshot never, there's nothing to help him with his memory. He doesn't watch television. There's no talk of the news. You know, there's no, there's not even talk of what he is in Rising Spirit Technologies to do. Right? Because they don't go on missions. All the quote unquote missions that they go on is him going rogue. So there's no official like. What do they do? What do they do every day? Yeah, like how many times are they going to plant that he's he's he goes rogue every day? Well, that, so not- that's the thing. Um, I was wondering why Dalton was being such a dick, and I think it's because he has less respect for Ray because he does go rogue every single time. And it's it's like that whole um episode from like the Rick Lantis mix up, where the the um, uh, what's the the simple wafers or whatever the yes, simple Ricks. Yeah. 
Yeah. The guy that relives the memory every day, the same memory every day. Right. And so he's looking at this guy like, wow, he really is just a dog. Like, he really is. You just point and you sick and he does what he does. Well, that, by that point, Dalton would have been, like, annoyed. It's, a, it's annoying at this point. Like, oh, my God, I have to wake up. This guy's going to get mad. He's going to flip well, out. When, he's gonna when go he fights, when he fights Barris, when he goes to go get Barris, he says something. Like, he's such an asshole or something like that. Or he's such a stubborn asshole. Or what a stubborn ass. Um, and it's this level of frustration you don't see from anyone else. But I guess he's the one who has had to deal with this the most. Everyone is real chipper every time they see him. They introduce themselves and whatever. Dalton's a bit of an asshole. And he seems to be the one with the biggest axe to grind uh, with Bloodshot. Well, as we because it, it just becomes, every day it just becomes a little bit more tedious for him. It's like 50 first dates. You <laughs> right, know, how right. many times can you recreate? How they many took, times can you see took six my wife from me. the same cake? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Ray. Yeah, yeah. We know. I got, your wife is I'll there, be back. I gotta go play them. Psycho Killer for these idiots. <laughs> I'll be back. The alarm just went off. Here I go. Spotify. So yeah, I I, I totally get it. <laughs> um, figuring, fig- oh, man. figuring out that they would try that he would try to contact Gina, RST mercenaries Dalton and Tibbs show up to take down Ray on foot. They managed to stab him with a reprogrammable knife. They managed to stab him. With a reprogrammable knife. Yep. It's the sentient switchblade from Rick and Morty. Am I... Did, that's what happened, right? There was like a knife with technology in it. And they stabbed him. It was like a... It's like, and it's like an EMP for nanites or some shit. <laughs> EMP just for nanites and just of where it's been stabbed. <laughs> so yep. that if I'm standing next to it with my cell phone, I should be good, you know? You don't want no shoddy... That's just lazy writing. Some, no shoddy... Well, this is the second time that they've just shut him down, which <laughs> makes him look a, a lot less intimidating, right? Oh, no, that's that's 100%. Like, this is our bloodshot. This guy could just get taken down with a reprogrammable knife. And and could you imagine how different we would be looking at Tony Stark if villains were able to just shut his suit down? Like, if if two of the villains he fought were just like, oh, BMP, it's it's a wrap. Well, well it kind of happened with um, the first one. Warmonger. Yeah, it definitely like happened to a warmonger, and they I guess they tried to do it with Iron Man two with Whiplash, but no, you know yeah, you you have to see your your. It, my thing is is if I see my hero twenty four seven every single scene always on top, I'm gonna get bored because there is no like moment Stinks. of of suspension from there's no there's no tension there's it's the Neo problem you know Neo no matter what Neo is always gonna win. Yeah, there's but then no, you got there's no guys. Stakes. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing on the line. Exactly. There's no stakes. But these these Marvel movies, you know that that's what they do. They give us stakes halfway through the movie. You know, well, halfway through is, Marvel first. What's weird with this is that yeah. they try to give us stakes, but the man as a character has no stakes. He has no family. He has no relationship. And the only stakes we have here are Wiggins and KT, who become his friends in halfway through the film. So when those two are threatened, we're supposed to be rallying for him to save them. But that's not, you know, like, it's way different, man. That's way different. I didn't I didn't feel the sacrifice yeah. in this film the same way or the stakes, like like I just said. It, you, you, you manufactured friends for him to have. And then you put those in manufactured danger. And you thought that would manufacture stakes and it didn't. You know, at least X-Men Origins had stakes with, you know, Wolverine was doing this whole uh, Weapon X project to stop his brother. 
because yeah. his brother was going around killing mutants and killed his his girlfriend seemingly. So like you know, even even a bad maligned comic book movie like X Men Origins can still give us stakes. And I think when they broke when you break those um those bone claws, it it does something. You know, like that imagery of him being declawed, it kind of it kind of makes you sympathize for the character. But there is no moment for of sympathy for Ray. He gets shut down, then he gets brought back up, then he gets shut down again, then he gets brought back up. No, because because the, the movie is asking you to literally feel bad for an android that's programmed to be human. Yeah, or a man, and it's hard. A man whose life has become a program, a series of commands and and execution. You know, it's hard to feel bad for the hamster on the hamster wheel when it keeps going to the hamster wheel. Yeah. And it, and and think about that same hamster if it was just full of revenge and murder. You know? Like no no no. <laughs> oh my no one god, wants that's that. a scary hamster. <laughs> no, that's one, a scary, no, no one wants that. No one wants that. Uh so KT gets told that he, she needs to apprehend Wiggins. Um and she's like, nah. And so Harding cuts off her oxygen as a threat for her insubordination. How do you feel about that? That whole like Dude. I think that well, that was the that, that was like the reveal that Guy Pierce was bad. Well the reveal the reveal right before this is the whole like them showing the, all the times he's woken up. Cause that so happens you get, when you get they, like a... that happens when um the Dalton talks to him on the table. He's like, I hate you, you piece of crap. And every time we, we have to do this to you every time and every time you get upset and I'm gonna tell you this one time because you're not gonna remember. But your wife's not dead. And I'm like, that none of this is necessary. <laughs> like, what you, none of this is. Oh, it was the it was the the bad guy monologues before he gets stopped thing. But this is even worse. This is bad guy monologues while somebody's on the on the like he's there. Like he's, I guess he just assumes that his mind's gonna get wiped. But it's like a lot of that was for no, us, hate... the audience. A lot of that it was information that we needed. He didn't necessarily need it because it was gonna get wiped. But we needed to know that they were doing this over and over again, and that this wasn't the first or last time. And I hate to love to bring it up, but moments like this, it just reminds me of, of like Swamp Thing. Yeah. Where where Swamp Thing was on the tape, the medical table, and the bad guy is monologuing. But at least at this point, there's intensity, there's stakes. You don't know if Swamp Thing's going to get out of this because at this point, he doesn't even care. He's like dying. He doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And he doesn't really so have what you would call a normal body. So the idea of them doing an autopsy, it's very strange. You want to see what comes out after this because you don't know what it's all going to look like. Exactly. And they don't give it to us here. Like there, there was so many elements from different comic book shows and movies, but I don't know how they possibly did it worse or more bland or just, well, I you hate, can tell that it's cookie cutter. I hate that they give him a, basically a ticking clock in the nanites, the same way they do in the comics. I liked it in the comics because it adds a layer of stakes and you think it adds a layer of stakes here, but it, it just doesn't. They literally, you can take out every line about his lack of nanites. And the movie still goes exactly the same way. And I don't understand oh, why even mention that he has a finite number if we're just going to ignore the entire thing. Well, they're, they're, to the point that they even have a big climax where you're like, oh, my God, how He's long can die. this scene go? Because how many bullets can he take? And it's nope. And he doesn't Happy take ending. a bullet. He takes a grenade, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, so in Ray's mind. Oh, yeah. My gosh. In Ray's mind, Harding explains that he needed a soldier with anger as a motivator. And Ray says he won't be anyone's soldier anymore. That scene is about 15 minutes long. <laughs> of, exactly. of Guy Pierce talking to to uh, Bloodshot in his mind. 
and it's meant to be more heartfelt than it is. It's meant to be more insightful than it is. Um, I think overall, it's just meant to be better than what it is. I, I'll, I, I'll say it. Even X-Men Apocalypse did it better with the mind fight. Even X-Men Apocalypse had a better mind fight. Come on. You know it's true. And I like I could see Burnthaw threatening him and me getting amped for that. Right? Because he has a... He has a, an extremely great, uh, he I I I uh, once described him I think on the Punisher, um, you know, review cast. I described him as like a a, a boiling pot. Like he's always just simmering. That the that that intensity is always just there, and you're expecting him to just blow at any moment. Like I love how the actor himself in roles like The Walking Dead and Punisher would pace. Like he was just so full of whatever the hell he was feeling that he would pace or he would twitter his fingers or he would dart his eyes. Like he wouldn't necessarily just focus in one place. He Because he has that dead man stare in every scene. And he has that Everything nervous he does energy. Has that dead man stare. He has that nervous yes. trigger, like like uh, hair trigger um, menace to him uh, that made him feel dangerous. It didn't feel that way with this. And, you know, one of the criticisms as our boys, um, the Weekly Planet, uh, as they alluded to, is the fact that the man who's playing Vin, Di- um, the man who's playing Vin Diesel, <laughs> the man who's playing Bloodshot, is fifty-two years old. Jesus Christ, he's fifty-two. And if you're picking out a prime suspect for your Universal Soldier, do you go with someone who's literally lived half of his life? Well, at that point, how old was John Claude Van Damme for the Universal Soldier? That's a good. Uh, that's a good thing. That was like nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, and he was already like in his uh, mid thirties for a blood sport. So, so John Claude Van Damme is sixty now. Yeah, t- about 20, 20 years ago, he would have been in his forties. But Universal Soldier was like thirty years ago. It was nineteen ninety two. Oh no, was that movie thirty? Was it ninety two? So that's twenty eight years ago. So yeah. So so in uh. So I said twenty eight years. Yeah, so he was so he was thirty one when he played Universal Soldier. <laughs> Twenty oh, years less than fucking. <laughs> and John Burtonall would be like in his like forties now, so it would have made. Oh man, John, I would have loved to John Burnthal is forty three. So I guess maybe that's yep. not, but he's just better. <laughs> I think it's the hair. <laughs> it's the hair. It's the face. It's the energy that he brings, and it's he's always been able to emote. You know, like he's always been able to speak. Where I feel and you, like the, the scene you always bring me to with Walking Dead was that scene where he yells at the the guy that has the zombies in the barn. Oh, I love it. Why are they still coming? Boom, boom. Why are they still coming? If they if they alive, <laughs> then how can they survive this? Boom, boom, boom. Oh my God, Shane, enough. Yeah, you're damn right. It's enough. That's Boom. <laughs> such a great energy in that scene. And he's running and acting. And pointing, ah, oh, so good. I'll even say that I haven't, I haven't watched. I've only seen the trailer because you showed me. I'll say that a better movie that I've seen teasers of that did it better was Upgrade. I this heard Upgrade was, was a, Upgrade. I heard Upgrade was like a better version of Venom as well. I've heard, I've heard that as well. Which like, is of the which, body. And it's a twenty four, so that's way up my alley. I love anything a twenty four studios. So yeah, we gotta give Upgrade a shot. When we get a chance. But first we have to finish the shot on Bloodshot. Or take a shot oh, and listen to Psycho shot. Killer. Uh, <laughs> listen yep. to Psycho Killer. 
Uh, so he's an evil man. Um, we've said that Harding is an evil man, and he's like, "Don't worry, you know, we're just trying to, sorry, make you better." Yada yada yada. Um, so instead of taking all the nanites away from Ray, which they were initially planning to do, they were just gonna wipe, you know, take all the nanites out. Whoops, you know, we got a good amount of deaths out of him, but we're not gonna, uh you know, allow him to continue to have these powers. They ended up putting him back in him because <laughs> they want to sick him on Wiggins, who is technically a loose end because he knows about everything. So KT, out of guilt over everything, frees Ray anyway, at, uh, who ends up doing battle with Tibbs and Dalton uh, in an elevator. Dalton willingly lets Tibbs fall to his death before continuing the fight until Ray punches him down the elevator shaft, killing him. Ray confronts Harding, who manages to drain the nanites, but is killed when the second grenade he shoots at Ray is dismantled by the nanites and dropped directly at his feet. During this entire oh, yeah. ending battle, we're told that, that was so, he could like, not that was take so, like, this. Matrix-y. We were told he cannot take this blast. He will die. The lack of nanites will kill him. And we're led to believe that he's sacrificing himself and this entire nightmare for this moment of revenge against Harding. Which kind of also proves everyone's point <laughs> that he is kind of just a attack dog uh where he doesn't even want to arrest harding harding has to die so he takes the brunt of a full-on grenade i think he was literally at one percent nanites or something like that um uh that's another thing we, we, we're told constantly in the comics and stuff like that like this repair stuff this muscle repair and um reconstruction it takes time like these nanites are working but it definitely takes time. And so we're led to believe that um, they did this on, I want to say, Death Battle, where they had the Hulk take on Doomsday. And basically, they said Doomsday could win so long as he um, like overclocked his healing factor. If Doomsday could hit Hulk faster than Hulk could heal and keep on doing so, the healing factor would not know what to do because it would be trying to cover too many bases at once and he'd die. So I, I equated that to the nanites. The nanites run out because they're trying to recover full arms and legs as he's being shot. And you deplete them when they all have too many different areas of the body to attend to. Well, that's just logical. That's just real yeah. life. You know, like if, if I'm sweeping and you keep throwing dirt where I'm trying to sweep, I'm just going to be there still, you know, sweeping, but by that point, you could still keep pouring more and more and more dirt. That eventually, there's going to be more dirt over my broom than my broom pushing dirt. Yes, it would just it would just take over. Um, and so we're led to believe that the damage that he's taken up until this point, all the stuff with Wiggins, I mean, all the stuff with Tibbs, all the stuff with uh, Dalton, the elevator fight, he takes on a couple of of, of the RS team's men. Um, that it's all depleted him up down to this point. And so we're led to believe that this grenade is, is a sacrificial moment. This is a moment that he is he's choosing to sacrifice his life to make sure that this never happens to anyone again. But then um, he just kind of wakes up. We just get a scene of him kind of um, being woken up by Wiggins. He was rebuilt. Wiggins and KD rebuilt him. And then they all leave in search of a new life. So I don't know. Oh my god, do I do I have to say it? Do I have to say it? Hell 
Hellboy last year gave me a better ending of three people having a new kind of that was adventure cool. life. It got, it got it set up for like a show that we were never gonna get, but yeah, that ending was kind of good. This was just it's every movie, it's every yep, movie. It is. It sucks that that's the case, and you know, first time directorial debut, and this would be Ben Diesel's highest profile comic book property because no one knew who the hell group was, um, and so. With all these things set up seemingly to to help it, help it succeed, um, I just think that it didn't it wasn't ambitious enough. It didn't have a big enough vision. It didn't have a a unique enough vision. As a soldier, no, I've seen you, the you hit the nail on the head with that one. That's the problem. It 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 had a vision, but it wasn't unique. It was like it was like the movie had its own nanites of different movies, bending <laughs> and repairing where the writing was going wrong. Right. Oh, the writing's going wrong in this scene. Let's just turn to another comic book movie that did it, and let's just make it so the wife was actually alive the whole time. Right. But then it goes nowhere. Yeah. So then, what's the point? Yep. And like, and so then Tony sacrifices himself fighting Ironmonger, and then you know he sacrifices himself fighting this person. Oh no! Yeah, what well, the danger what is. Well, but what if uh, uh, Tony had that whole fight with Ironmonger? He killed the person that's closest to him. But then at the end of the movie, he continues to sell weapons to across military anyways. Or what if... What if he never had that change of heart? What if he, for Ironmonger, the MP went off, the light in the middle of his chest went out, it faded to black, and then when it came back, they just woke him up. I'm like, oh, buddy, everything okay? Yep, then what was the point of the arc reactor? Like- yeah, what was the point of, of saying that he might be near death if he can't die? Uh, so yeah, that whole like he, I didn't feel like he deserved the sunset, <laughs> you know. I didn't feel like Wiggins deserved the friendship. There's a lot going on there. KT did what she did, but she sure did what she did before then, up until that point. And it's the same, literally the same thing, almost shot for shot with X Men Origins Wolverine, where you have this moment of, uh, you know, I know I've been screwing this guy over for a long ass time, but I don't feel like doing it anymore. And then having to deal with, with that after the fact, I thought that was. Uh, a little bit cliche, a bit cliche. And it was also the same in X Men Origins, where at least they gave us a stake at the end of the movie that Wolverine loses his memory. Yeah, I at least yes. we got that. A little bit of that, yeah. Um, but did you know there's a future for the Valiant Comics universe? Is there going to be? Is there even a future for movies or comics? I don't know. There's gonna be. A- I don't know about that yet. And the thing is. You know, we have been to the future, and somehow, throughout all my trips to the future, they never mentioned what happened in 2020. I probably should have... Well, see, the problem, if you've, <laughs> any, if you've ever seen, you know, Back to the Future, you can't exactly tell your past self what's going to happen in the this future. So, true. we can't tell you guys what and happened. We're really sorry. We can just tell you to just... Yeah, <laughs> we're really sorry, and we hope extremely you can sorry. move on. Um, but yeah, they intended to launch a new shared cinematic universe of Valiant Comic superheroes. And Bloodshot was originally planned to be followed by four more movies, a sequel, two films based on the comic book series Harbinger, and a culmination in a crossover title, oh Harbinger Wars. Oh, they're going to go there? Yep. Initially scheduled to be the I first... I actually know that name. <laughs> initially scheduled to be the first installment in the franchise, uh, development of Harbinger was delayed in favor of releasing Bloodshot first. In September 2019, it was announced that Harbinger would be distributed by Paramount Pictures, Possibly canceling any shared universe plans with Bloodshot. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, up and down, I guess. But 
You know, he still got Mark Millarverse in uh on Netflix. <laughs> He's still putting out comics over there and stuff. And I think that, you know, while we know we're not getting any more probably not getting any more shared universe valiant stuff, they still have a bunch of properties that they could um cover. I think the issue in general now is this weird uneasiness with all these release dates. Things being moved, things being pushed, things being postponed, things being moved to streaming service. And so a lot of people are just confused in general as to what the future of comic book films are, let alone films in general. Um, let alone comic well, anything. Comics, comic books this is in just, general. Honestly, uh, black this is just a scary time that we live in. And you notice, like, they went out of their way to say what's going to happen with Black Widow and um, Wonder Woman. But the next actual comic New book mutant, movie is New Mutants, yes. And they haven't said a damn thing, which I don't know. I, I think it might end up going to Disney Plus, depending on how much they thought they were going to make over it in projections. They just might not care at this point. Anyway. How long has this movie been postponed now? Three years? What do you think Maisie Three Williams years? thinks about all this? One day oh, that, she's going to have to do press girl. for that film. And she's going to be like, I don't know. It happened three years ago. <laughs> like, I don't remember. Can you imagine? Like, I really actually don't remember anything about that movie. <laughs> I would have to wait to the eventual premiere. I think that would be absolutely hilarious. Poor thing. Um, and the Stranger Things guy is in there, too. The one who got arrested for, like, cocaine or something. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my gosh. But we got there's some good things coming on the horizon. Harley comes out on Friday. Season two. Oh, I can't wait. I really, truly want us to cover at least season one so far. Yeah, Yeah. because I watched like two episodes and I was really digging it. I was loving it. There's really some definitely genuinely funny. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I think I came in not wanting to like it. Um, and then eventually it just kind of won me over. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but I definitely think it has a place. I definitely think that it deserves to be seen. Um, and I like its take on everything. So. But once I found out it was an adult show, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let's let's see how this goes. I I wasn't really in the mood for another like child friendly PC type kid show, but this is just straight up fun late night adult comedy. Like I could see this on Comedy Central or Adult Swim. Yeah, a bit of it. I didn't want it to be like, oh, aren't we cool because we curse? Like a bit of it was that in the beginning, and. I wasn't a fan of it because I'm like I'm a, I'm an adult like that it takes more than that it takes more than me seeing characters that I know say things that they probably shouldn't for uh for me to it's get a the, pop it's the fart joke you know it's the basic fart joke yeah yeah I don't laugh at curses either it's like okay you curse do more I just said in March on March 26 2020 which was what five days ago. Yeah. An updated film version of Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe featuring Jason David Frank as Bloodshot was released on YouTube as promotion for Bloodshot. So it's That's out there, hilarious. people. Free. Go out go out there, grab it. Do something right on with YouTube. it. It's absolutely awesome. How are you spending your time during this quarantine, Mr. Comic Book Man? Oh, I'm uh well, as everybody should know, I'm getting my comic book on. I'm just I'm reading uh New Fifty Two's Justice League, ah. and because the the Amazo virus inspired me, man. It inspired me. It's like in a sense, it's like wow, I can actually sit here and genuinely love wholesome comics. Like I don't have to read depressing, relatable, <laughs> existential comics all the time. As much as I like it, I don't right. have to always read it. Yeah. So, like it. It was part of the Amazo virus, but it was part of reading how everybody was starting to get to know each other in that first volume of yeah. Justice League. It's a really fun volume. That, 
that first volume is probably some of the best comic book writing I've ever read. And it's written like, by Jeff Johns, a definite having, fan. You know, he's a definite fan of he, DC Comics. He is a huge fan. Like, I was, like, I, you guys were telling me that he's a fanboy, but I had to read for myself and reading for myself. I'm like, oh, oh, he loves, he loves DC like that. Like, that. I think like, there's a letter. I think, he has, I think there's a letter written in like the letters to the editor of him writing them, you know, as a kid or younger, talking about things he would want to see and stuff like that in DC Comics. So like yeah, his fandom goes deep, um, and we covered that for if any of you guys are are spending this time to go back to the new fifty two and see what they were doing with Justice League. We actually have a review of that very first volume, the Origins volume, um, up on the on the podcast. And that's another thing. During this time, go and look for comics. There, there's absolutely no way you've read every comic story that you heard was good or that you heard. Uh, was deserving of a read. I, I haven't several... even read Infinity Gauntlet or uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I haven't. I know about them. I know the, right. the consequences. I know who this and does that, but I've never actually for myself read dialogue from there. Yeah, so I would say take that chance and do it now because in my opinion and in my experience, um, every comic is new to you, right? Like it doesn't really matter what year mm-hmm. it came out. It doesn't really matter you know, what people thought about it. Com- comic book reading is a very personal experience. You do it by yourself. You do it most of the time quietly, <laughs> you know? So the voices and everything else you hear in your head and you turn it to your own, uh, it's at your own pace, the page turning and the and the and and all of that, how the action scenes are all together. So um, go and, and discover, rediscover some of these great uh, stories, especially some of these great stories based on movies like V for Vendetta or Watchmen, other things that we've covered on this podcast as well. Um, we're gonna end up doing some 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 deeper dives. You know what I just found out was a comic? Bulletproof Monk. No way, Bulletproof Monk is a comic. Is that gonna give me a, a reason to talk about Chow Young Fat, John William Scott? Am what? I gonna get a chance to talk about that? Perhaps. But that's what I'm saying. Like we, every every day, we're doing more for a uh, comic book, like to try to find out what other content there is to cover. And obviously all the popular stuff is easy and we've done it before, but it's... Oh, um, at this point, the amount of comic book movies that are out that we don't know are comic book movies is... It's got to be crazy. Right. 100%. And um, and the, even the comic book movies that we haven't covered, I would love to one day cover The Losers. I've never... I, no, I've read it. I read the first volume in high school, like yeah. 10 years ago. So I'm definitely in need of another reread of The Losers. I feel like I saw some of it, but I don't think I've seen all of it. Um, I think it was um, it was uh, Chris, uh, uh, what's his name? Chris Evans' second comic book movie. I did not like his beard. The whole, the whole like uh, half blonde, half like brown hair beard. Yeah, was not a was not a fan of any of that. But yeah, man, um, do us a favor and go back. We also have a ton of content. This is our 120th episode. So that means close, that means close to and a probably above 240 hours of content. Two talking annuals. About, yeah, two annuals. Talking all of the episodes. Crazy stuff. All of yeah. it. Our 100th episode anniversary. You know, we hit four years on April 20th. So that's going to be amazing for a comic book click in general. Oh, for comic book click. It, it's yeah. four years old. Yep. And oh, so this is beautiful. The best way you can uh, reach out to comic book click or the best way you can celebrate comic book click's recent success or its birthday is to go to comicbookclick.com, which is the official home of the Major Issues podcast. It's a website that we started to make sure that there's one stop for all of our information, our podcast, our merchandise. We have a bunch of cool shirts. 
um, and stuff at tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. But if that link is too crazy for you, comicbookclick.com is literally right there. Shop CBC. The link works and it will send you straight to our shop. Um, but yeah, man, if you have the time, go back and listen to some old episodes. Odds are we covered yes, something that please. you love. Uh, something from the 90s, like Batman the Animated Series. or 121 uh, episodes? There's no way that we didn't cover one thing that is absolutely personal to you. I want to look Ask through. Me. I think we've covered uh, we're, we're, we've covered everything, uh, like at least one thing from every decade, 80s, 90s, uh, aughts, we, and 2000s. Not me and you, but uh, we haven't didn't done 70s um, yet. major issues cover X-Men's, uh, either the Dark Phoenix one? That, or, yeah, the story. Uh, we covered the story and the movie. But the the Dark Phoenix and, saga is in the early eighties. Don't talk yeah. about the cart the animated cartoon. Have we covered any episodes from the animated cartoons? That's a good question. I wouldn't be surprised. That's what we could do. I I do think that the Dark Phoenix review was a not review. Sorry, prior to the Dark Phoenix review, we covered the Dark Phoenix comic, and I think I may have watched some episodes as well. I was just trying to get a very like a like a overall grasp on what was going on there. But yeah, you're right. There's a bunch of stuff still on the table, still on the docket that we can that we can do. And um, the, the anniversary of um, Days of Future Past uh, movie was released in May, so we could watch the episode. Yeah, and you see Because I remember that. that being a really great episode. And they also did the, um, you know, the, everyone's been celebrating anniversaries. Zack Snyder just did his four-year anniversary of uh, Batman vs. Superman. Um, there's a 30th anniversary of the Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which we also covered from 1990. So all this stuff is there. Go through our catalog. Uh, listen to some of our old episodes. And the great thing about it is, just like comic books, if it's new to you, it's new to you. So go ahead and comment. You can comment directly underneath any episode, and we get notified, and we can start a conversation about some of the things that you agree, disagree with, or maybe you have a brand new take, a hot take, an opinion on some of the things that we've been talking about. Um, and that would be amazing. So yeah, go to fa- uh, uh, sorry, go to comicbookclick.com as the one stop for everything. Now, if on- every click helps us. Now, if you've downloaded this episode on your normal podcast listener, that's fine as well because we're available on every place a podcast is found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, YouTube, Tune FM, Spotify. Um, I always get roughly confused around Spotify, but yeah, we wherever podcasts are found, we are there. I think we're, we're on SoundCloud. On you don't know. <laughs> I think we're on SoundCloud. I think we're on Anchor. Um, if you guys use those platforms, but yeah, we are available wherever podcasts are found. All you have to do is look up the Major Issues podcast in Google, and we'll be the first result to pop right up. Also, I typed in Comic Book Click in Google, and ComicBookClick.com came up, so I was pretty happy about that. Um, so yeah find us um reach out to us at facebook.com slash comic book click instagram at comic book click or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest hottest latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media um we're also at twitter at major issues cbc all of these links are in the show notes in, in the description of this show so it'll be a uh you know quick links for you guys to click and reach us across all the various social media um what you call it and yeah I can't wait for next week. We'll be covering Deceased. Um, and our schedule is seemingly Deceased uh, for the time being as we come up with new and creative ways to entertain you guys, the masses. Um, we'll be doing some live videos soon. We've been toying around with some of that I say stuff. just might as well, after Deceased, just do uh, Which is Worse. Because it was supposed to be in March anyways. So uh, we're kind of behind schedule about, on that um, one. Jonah Hex. 
Oh no, we we're gonna do no, which we were, is worse, we were the doing Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Yep, Hulk. But the thing is, we Dark were doing World. that. We were doing that to get ready for Black Widow. Oh snap! So yeah, so but let's see if New, New Mutants comes out. If New Mutants comes out, I can see us doing both of those because New Mutants was one of the most delayed Marvel movies in history. So we can cover two of seemingly one of the worst Marvel movies, or, or at least you know from certain people's. All point right. Of so view. if if New Mutants happens to come out, we can cover. Which was worse, Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer versus um, X Men Apocalypse? Oh dear. Yeah, I know, but these are the worst. Yeah, you yeah, go worse. yeah, yeah. And we owe them one for the quarter, so that makes a lot of sense. If you have no idea what we're talking about right now, go into our archives and look up which is worse. It's a concept we created right here on the Major Issues Podcast, where me and Dan, the comic book man pick two films that most people don't like and do our best to defend them against each other to find out definitively <laughs> which maligned, one is worse. Yeah, yeah, uh. it, it definitely happens. But um, yeah, the last thing that you guys can do is give us a review on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters because not only do we find out what you like and what you don't like about the show, but it helps people find this uh, podcast easier because, you know, when you're looking through podcasts, you're not going to go click on the one that's two and a half stars. So if we're really giving you that five-star content, go ahead and give us five stars so we could be uh, more noticeable. So we could peacock around the other, around the other podcasts, you know? And uh, maybe entice some new viewers and grow the click, which is what all this is for. But, Who knows? Maybe someone would want to look up a, you know, a review of Bloodshot, a podcast of it, and we happen to pop up. That's Who it. Knows? And the thing is, they, if we pop up and some other guy pops up and we only have three stars, they're not going to click on us, man. You feel me? Yeah. I, I understand. So we need five stars, my friends. Yep. Five star in the streets and five star in the sheets. Right? That's yeah, that's how it goes. I think that's how it goes. That's exactly. I, I've read the Bible, but that's <laughs> so. But ladies and gentlemen, my name is George Serrano, aka the Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our Bloodshot recap and review. And remember, or maybe I should ask, please let this not be the last film we see in theaters in 2020. <laughs> remember, oh, no. if you ever wake up on a medical table, if someone is ever trying to get you into a murderous rage while playing Psycho Killer, whether or not uh, you letting your girlfriend breathe again, or whether you just, I'm doing diesel and I'm just living my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> remember... That we are the click, and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. 